0: The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.
1: Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to the December nineteenth, twenty nineteen batch of the Biscuit Podcast. We've added a little bit of cinnamon and gingerbread into this biscuit just to add that absolute dash. Of holiday cheer. So we've got six shopping days left until Christmas. Most of you are probably preparing to take a little bit of time off for the holidays. Hopefully, you are. And we humbly hope that you give us a little bit of time today to listen to this podcast uh, before perhaps you wait in line to go see Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Um, It's this time of year as we approach the end uh, of another 365 days that Matt Olin and I got to kind of take a beat and think about everything we've done in the last year and all the people we've met. You know, we talk about everything we've done. That's that's one thing. The incredible creatives that we've met along the way and hopefully introduced you to through this podcast or our videos or the biscuit, that's been the real payoff. Uh, You know, when we started our journey four years ago, saying Charlotte is creative, um, we believed it, but in the back of your mind, you're like, how creative? How many stories are there? How long are we going to be able to do this? Uh, How many people are we going to meet? And the incredible thing is that the deeper we go, the more we realize that Charlotte is this completely untapped well of creative energy, of incredible people doing Remarkable work, oftentimes not getting the recognition that they deserve. That's very true in the music community. If you ask people inside of Charlotte and out, uh, we definitely do not get props for being a mecca for live music, not in the way that New York or L.A. or Austin or Nashville do. But I think through the efforts of Andy Goh and Liner Notes and the... um, work he's done, the live musicians that Charlotte Star Room has helped us get for the Charlotte chapter of Creative Mornings, uh, for the work WFAE is doing, Music Everywhere, Fair Play. I mean, just incredible groups all over Charlotte. Um, It's just amazing. The minute you think that you've met all the incredible musicians, there's 10 more and 10 more behind them. Uh, But really at the top of the pack. Uh, are two incredible charlatans, Maria Howell and Noel Friedline. They have a powerful, creative relationship that has been a kind of a gem in Charlotte for many years and are just musicians and artists that are at the top of their craft. And beyond being a brilliant singer, Maria is an actress of great renown. I mean, you would have seen her in Hunger Games movies, all over TV, um, The Blind Side... Uh, it's just amazing where she pops up, and yet she comes back to Charlotte to gig around town and work with Noel and others. And she and Noel just put out a Christmas album, uh, which is gorgeous music, and we'll uh, include the link so you can get it yourself in the notes for this podcast. But to kind of put a beautiful bow on this year of podcasts, Andy Goh, our incredible producer, was able to sit down with Maria and Noel and just have a chat about their partnership and about their love of music. And that follows this. And I don't want to keep you from that because it's a great conversation. But I do want to say thank you to our sponsors that have made this year of podcasting possible. That's Ortho Carolina, Crescent Communities, and Four Eyes Productions. You know, a lot of passion and effort goes into making these conversations and to creating and crafting the audio explorations of Charlotte that we take you on, but none of that's possible without their help. We also want to thank the guys over at queen city podcast network. Um, We are proud to be a part of that collection of incredible podcasts uh, that are making Charlotte a smaller place, but at the same time uncovering how much richness there is here. Um, And finally, I got one thing to ask. Hopefully we've given you some treats and presents through the year we hope you'll give us a present back and go to the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a five-star review. And that may seem like a small thing and not that important, but it's really helpful in us coming up higher and higher on lists so more people can find us and get involved in the conversation. Um, By the way, if you have ideas about where you want us to go and where you want us to explore in 2020, we are well open to ideas. Please hit us up at hello at creative. All right, that's a lot of exposition. Uh, As for Matt Olin and me, I'd like to thank you for just an incredible 2019. Can't wait to see what we do together next year. And now, Andy, I think it's time to get going.
2: So far away Doesn't anybody stay in one place anymore It would be so fine to see your face at my door It doesn't help to know you're so far away Long ago I reached for you and there you stood Knowing you again could only I, wish I could, but you're so far away, one more song about moving along the highway, I can't see much of anything that's new, if I Being close to you, but you're so far away, doesn't anybody stay in one place anymore? It would be so fine to see your face at my door, it doesn't help to know you're so away. Ooh.
3: Welcome to the Biscuit CLT podcast. I am your host for today, Andy Go, and. Uh, I'm really excited to be talking to two of my favorite musicians here in the Charlotte area who have been I've been huge fans of uh, for the longest time uh, for their solo work. Um, But now in uh, 2020, they're going to be getting together, combining their forces and creating something much bigger than that. So I want to welcome on to uh, the Biscuit CLT podcast, Miss Maria Howell.
0: Hi, Andy.
3: Hey, Maria. Good to see you. <laughs> good to see you too. And uh, we've also got Mr. Noel Friedline. What's going on,
0: Noel? <laughs> it's all you
4: and Andy. So go. I mean, is that like is that like a stage name? I mean, or is that like an actual like family name? Because that's very clever. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, if I had known, I would have changed my name to Go <laughs> a long time ago instead of. Freedline is just not <laughs> as catchy as you would think, you know?
3: Well, you know, you know, the real reason why I chose this name.
4: I, I, I don't, but I sure want
3: to. It's because it's easy to fill out on Scantron tests. You know That's, what? Yes. You I'm know, but, but now <laughs> I've, I've outsmarted myself because I don't fill out Scantron tests anymore. So <laughs> my, it was really only good for the first 20 years or so. As long uh, as there was then, any benefit
4: yeah. at all. I think it was a wise choice. Yeah.
3: There we go. Absolutely. All right, guys. Um, definitely want to welcome you all to the podcast here today. Uh, Uh, Y'all are uh, incredibly talented and accomplished musicians in your own right, Uh, and uh, you've also been playing together for several years, Uh, Maria as a a well-known vocalist, uh, uh, Noel as a keyboardist, very talented keyboardist, and uh, now y'all are combining forces mm-hmm. as Noel and Maria. Correct. So we want to talk a little bit about that sort of confluence that's going on here today because a lot of people, a lot of our listeners probably know about y'all individually, but to be together and to be writing music and to be performing and recording music uh, as a, as a duo is really something special.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting to even want to collaborate with someone in the first place because a lot of us in this industry are always seeking our own you know, individual goals. But Noel and I have been performing together for close to ten
2: years.
0: (laughs) It's time flies when you're having fun. It's been close to ten years now and uh, I think, yeah, close to to ten years, about nine, between nine and ten. Okay, we're not counting. At any rate, um, when you get the kind of chemistry that that happens with Noel and myself on stage, you just if you're smart, you say, hey, let's keep that going. And so that's basically what we've done is just now that we do so many things together that we wanted to brand it that way hmm. and not take away from our individual lives and, and careers.
3: Yeah, and that's so interesting to me, too, because as individual artists, of course, you've carved out... Uh resumes and, and, you know, accomplishments that are on your own. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Maria, I'm sure there's plenty of instances of musicians that have played together for years in, in close settings and, but they never take that step into creating their own project together. So we're definitely going to want to talk about that. Right.
0: And Noel can speak a little bit more on part of an extra layer of us performing together because we both are fans of the, I'll call it the old school, older school now, uh, brand of entertainment. (laughs)
2: You like is that to, what that is? Would
0: you like... I Are just made. I, ourselves? I just made I that up. I have myself because no one else will date me. We'll we're um, historians. We're historians. What's, that? What's we're, that? We're historians. Ah,
4: yeah. I, I think we could call ourselves... Um, <laughs> um, there's a really clever word that I can't think of right now. <laughs> Curators.
3: We, Ooh, what we,
2: yeah, that works. Yeah, I don't that even works. know what that means, but someone Neither said Neither do I. And, yeah, I'm but it sounds it. good.
3: <laughs> that sounds very yeah. erudite.
2: Ooh, see, wow. see, mm. see. I don't know whether to be
3: flattered <laughs> or insulted, but just, uh, I,
1: if I knew what that meant, I
4: would. Uh, troglodyte. Now, that I do know. And, and that does that apply to me at times as well. So These annoying. words
3: have far too many syllables for musicians. Yeah. Yeah. We oh need my to break gosh. them into quarter, quarter notes.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All
3: right. All right. So let's go back. Um, Maria, I want to start with you mm-hmm. uh, and uh, talk a little bit about your background as an artist. Now, the first thing I think that a lot of people. That I've talked to you about uh, still um, bring up is your role in The Color Purple. Um, Mm. And that was uh, something that uh, I think really, um, that in my eyes, really, really gave you something that uh, people could hold on to and really, really uh, put you in, in, in a lot of places.
0: Well, it's really interesting. You know, as an actor, you never know what's gonna stay in the the finished product or what lands on the floor. And during that time, I had no idea. I was so green, I had no idea that that was the pinnacle and the climax of the movie. So you get excited about that. You're relieved. Oh, thank goodness, I'm still in the movie. You move on in life. Five years later, it's like they're still playing it over and over and over. You, You go 10 years, 15 years. It's been 34 years now, and it's become such an iconic classic. It's like you can't get away from it. I had no idea on day one, what it would feel like right now?
3: Right, that's so amazing. So, real quick, for our viewers who aren't familiar, of course, with uh, the color purple, and mm-hmm. you know, for our young, some of our younger viewers, maybe that's the case. Um, but it's a uh, you know movie um, where uh, you uh, play one of the choir singers, mm-hmm. and in the climactic scene, of course, that takes mm-hmm. place in the courthouse. There's a big uh, you know scene with uh, uh, several choir singers, but you're the one that kind of takes the stage mm-hmm. and you know really captures the moment. And like you said that's been a scene that has just endured throughout movie history which is you know kind of crazy so mm-hmm. take me back to how you got involved with that movie at the mm-hmm. time I'm guessing you were a singer because you were cast as a choir singer yes yes I was were you trying to be an actor
0: not at that not that month um <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to get through life at that point point. one day we go.
4: To be today right I'm gonna try to be an actor today <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's oh well, that's
0: easy okay yeah actually I had uh, graduated from college and I didn't tell people this for a long long time because I don't really look my age so people don't know they were thinking oh she's a teenager little girl this yeah okay so what what it was I was l- working at my college and I'm a biology uh, major chemistry minor and I was living with this family I had lived with them my senior year of college helping take care of their their son as a I guess you could call it a nanny. Was or I a nanny? Oh know, my gosh. Babysitter? I do There's
2: All a that. lot of different words.
0: All the above. Yeah. So I was living with them and I was involved in a little theater. And I had sung in church, high school, and college choirs. And they came to me one day and said, Hey, our neighbors across the street said that they've got this audition for this movie. And we know you like to act and sing, so you know, why don't you go audition? I'm like, and they reminded me just last year that I almost I was hesitant. I was turned I was like, I can't do that. I didn't want to do it. And they were like, no, go do it. We know you like to sing. Go. And I went over and auditioned. There were about 3,000 people. We were there for eight hours. They took us in chunks of, of groups um, on stage. And they were like, OK, thank you and go. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. The Gastonia came out. <laughs> and I go, wait a minute. I've been over here all this time. And that's it? No. So I had a photo. And I went when people, you know, I was kind of shy. And when people were dispersing, I went back up to the casting director and I said, hey, look, would you keep my photo on file? That was all my expectation right there. And she says, "Okay." And I said, oh, and by the way, I sing because nobody asked us to sing. I don't even know what that role was we were auditioning for to this day. (laughs) I I still don't. And so, and I don't care, right? Do I care now? Tree
4: number four on the
3: left. Yeah, that's right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It might've been, who knows? And so when I said that to her, she said, well, what do you know? And I sang, God bless the child in her ear.
3: Oh, just right there. Right there. Acapella, Acapella,
0: hand cupped to my mouth, to her ear, afraid to sing out loud because I didn't want to draw attention. And she said, oh, well, do you know any gospel? I said, Sure. (laughs) And then she said, well, just go work something out. We'll bring you back in about five or 10 minutes or whatever. Went and figured something out with a gentleman who was assisting her. Got back up on stage by myself this time. And that was my actual screen test. And I didn't know it. Mm. So I sang a little bit. They looked me over, whatever, whatever. Next day I got a call to be part of the choir. That's it.
3: And again, they didn't say, hey, you're going to be featured in the climactic scene. Because I had to
0: go through another audition to be the soloist. See, a lot of people don't know all the different steps it takes. And so there were like three songs with three choir soloists. And my song is, that's why I didn't know if I was going to be in the movie because after all was said and done, they that was the song that was visual. The other songs you hear, but you don't see
3: them. So what did you think when the movie came out and you first saw this the scene and you got to see that it was kind of a, an important moment in the movie? You really want to know? Yeah.
0: Oh, God, my face is so huge. Um, Seriously. <laughs> <clears throat> Seriously, I uh,
2: <laughs> I mean, who who goes? It, who it, sees their over face? Your sister going, "Does my face really
0: look that oh big? Oh my
4: god, it I was kind of petite, I it, mean, you know. You know, I see right up my nose. Right. Kind of, you know, right.
0: Yeah. No, seriously, it was overwhelming because to see that big image of your face, it's like, "Oh my god, it's overwhelming." <laughs> and I cried because I was relieved that I was still in the movie. Uh, because at this time they had started advertising um, at Jonathan's Jazz cellar about um, me coming to the jazz cellar to perform. And people were buying tickets and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, oh, my God. They started advertising before I knew it was still in the film. Let's put a pause right there.
3: There. So, Maria, after The Color Purple came out, were you uh, still set on being a singer at that point, or did the movie adjust your goals at all tell me where you were after color purple
0: it's really interesting because right after the movie i was so excited to be able to sing full-time because my first goal was to sing um i wanted to be in bands when i was or i was let's say i was being approached by bands when i was in high school but my mom and dad were like no not until you get a college degree and looking back now i'm so 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 glad that um they had that rule set and in place so being able to sing full-time for five years, I concentrated just on singing. Um, then, of course, different commercial and TV roles started appearing. Um, and that's when I started segueing into the acting. Yeah, so, and then I was volleying back and forth with them till now, <laughs> yeah, till now, still doing it, yeah.
3: Wow, so so you really think you had an even split between your acting career and your singing career uh, up until this point?
0: Say it again now? I'm sorry. So you
3: had an even split between your acting career and your singing career up until this point?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, if I understand the question right, I was always knowing I was going to be acting, but there was no rush. Mm -hmm. I wanted to sing first. And fortunately, singing really prepared me for the acting in a lot of ways because you're constantly on stage acting, (laughs) you know, uh, giving uh, stories through song. So,
3: yeah. Fantastic. So... Um, talk about some of the influences you have in your vocal style. Mm. Um, of course, uh, I've seen you sing plenty of times up at the jazz at the Beckler stage. Mm-hmm. Um, just a wonderful jazz vocal voice, but you know, I can't describe it better than you that's can. That's so, easy. That's so tell easy. Me a bit about
0: that. Um, it's really a big m- mixture of a lot of influences. Um, and, and with all those influences, being able to find my own voice in that has, that's been the biggest challenge. Um, but of course, Billie Holiday, Nancy Wilson, Ella Fitzgerald, um, Sarah Vaughan, all of those, Na- Natalie Cole, all those classic singers, uh, Dee, Dee Bridgewater. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, and one of my biggest influences is Karen Carpenter, which is totally not jazz. Um, Carly Simon, you know, I, I love anybody with a beautiful tone. And so, uh, and some people might beg to differ on some of those I've named, but that's my opinion, and my influences were those ladies that were of class, of style, and of that era because they just, that's what I was exposed to. And to find my own voice within all of that is learning to trust myself <laughs> and learning to say, you know what, you do what you're supposed to do and don't worry about the rest.
3: Oh, gosh, we could do a whole podcast on that topic <laughs> right there. So... Um, But uh, how about this? This is a last question for you, and then Mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit with Noel. But describe, if you can, the feeling that you get of being on stage, of having the spotlight on you, and just Mm. delivering a performance that gets people Mm. up out of their seats. That's an interesting question.
0: The feeling I get, the first thing I think of is out of body, simply because I feel like there is... A mission, if you will. There is a a job I have to do and that job is to deal with the heart of the listener. I feel fulfilled. I feel like I'm doing a great job when I know someone. I I don't even have to see an, an immediate reaction. It's not that. I know. After this many years of doing it. Cause sometimes, and I know Noah can attest to this, that sometimes you're performing and the audience will be pin drop quiet and you think that you're they're not affected. And then they shock you and it's like this roaring applause at the end. So you really can't let that be the um the gauge. So I feel very comfortable now. Uh not not comfortable and complacent, but comfortable and and encouraged and confident that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and that is to heal the heart through music and my spirit as I do it.
3: Mm, That's fantastic. I think Mm -hmm. any great music has that healing quality or at Mm -hmm. least that quality that makes you feel warm and welcome and in the right place. Oh yeah. So thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, Noel Friedlein, um, Definitely want to make sure that we get you in here, too. I mean, we love talking to Maria, and we could all day, but Noel, you're one half of Noel and Maria, too. So let's... (laughs) (laughs) So we couldn't have this interview without you, then.
4: it actually probably go pretty much better without <laughs> me, but I'm already here with a microphone, so we might as well continue on it. You can always edit this out later, Andy. You'll you know, you'll see what I mean when you listen back. You go, you know, Maria was so good, and Noel, not so much. Oh, so my <laughs> goodness. You're so funny. Here for digital technology. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Hit me Non-lid with a question. I'm really good with lid.
3: state capitals, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so oh God, uh, Noel, of course, uh, make your hay as a keyboard player, instructor, mm-hmm. Um I've seen you rock the house plenty of times at Jazz at the Beckler and all that sort of stuff. So really, uh, and, and I have to say, the thing that I always love about your performances, Noel, is just the unbridled enthusiasm that you bring to the stage and certainly... Um, it's obvious whenever you play that you are having a damn good time while you're doing it. So uh, that's, well, you
4: awesome. know, what Andy, what I lack in substance, I make up for in Flash. You know, and, <laughs> and it, what's that expression? Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Yeah, I just
3: unbridled, <laughs> like, let's go. You know? I am
0: doing my best not to laugh too hard. Oh my gosh.
3: It's funny. So, uh, <laughs> no. Let's start at the beginning with you as well. So, you grew up in Kansas, you said. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, talk about your formative years, uh, especially with the piano.
4: Gosh, um, so there was a piano in my house growing up. It was a big upright grand. My father had bought in college for two hundred dollars, and uh, and he was my dad was a piano player and never played professionally. At least not when when we were you know. And, uh, but he played western swing, like Bob Wills' Texas Playboys sort of stuff, a stride style of piano. And he used to just make the house rock when I was a kid. He, I remember he played Bumble Boogie, which is this old boogie-woogie thing with fly the bumblebee over the top of it. And I, I mean, and I would just be amazed. His fingers would be moving so fast. And I remember just watching him going, I, I was like, how do you do that? And I was thinking, I remember thinking, gosh, I'd love to be able to do that someday. I think I'd never get a chance to do that. And then... Uh, this, the, the, there was a guy in my hometown. I grew up in this little town of 2,000 people, farm community. You know, I grew up on a dirt road uh, with wheat fields on all four sides of the house. My mailing address the entire time I was growing up was Route 1, Clearwater Kansas. There's only Route 1 and Route 2. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I could literally drive a tractor long before I could drive a car. And uh, but the one guy in my hometown who knew who Dave Brubeck was gave me uh, Dave Brubeck's Time Out album when I was in eighth grade. And I remember looking at it, and you know how when you're in eighth grade or in, you know high school, have such as albums, you know you look at them, and and if you don't know the music, you go, well, does it look cool, you know? And and I and, and so I'm looking at this thing, I turn it over, and there's this picture, there's these three three white guys and this one black guy, they're all wearing dark suits, skinny black ties, horn rimmed glasses, and I'm like, great, this guy just gave me an album of accountants, you know, or like science teachers or something, and I didn't put it on for like a year or two, and I finally I pulled it out, I had one of those little stereos that. That uh, had a thing had lights on it and you turn the switch and it flashed to the beat <laughs> so I put it on and uh, and I you know and I, I heard you know heard some stuff and I was like and it sounded you know it was interesting and and then the last track on side one was And I was like you talk oh, about t- take, take five, five. Right? yeah which I had heard and everyone had heard because take five is one of the only jazz tunes to make it. On the uh, on the hit parade on the top on top forty top forty radio um, in uh, 1959 it came out in December 1959 and that sparked some interest. I asked my dad a uh, year later if he'd take me to the Wichita Jazz Festival, which sounds like an oxymoron, and uh, he did. I heard a guy named Dr. Billy Taylor that was uh, that was playing. Dr. Billy Taylor's more of a musician's musician, an amazing educator, and he's playing with this trio. And I remember. Watching him and I, I just I could not believe what I was hearing. It was just so amazing, and to see it live, you got to keep in mind too. I was a sophomore in high school, I think, or freshman. I had never seen a live band before. I had, you know, now I'd played in the concert band, but as far as a professional band, I'd never seen. I never they, you know, um, I was fascinated by live musicians playing. I couldn't believe they were, you know, they were doing it. Um, and again, watching it, thinking. That's what I want to do. Never thinking I'd actually get a chance to do it, you know. Um, freshman year of college, found myself sitting in a jazz club with a bunch of older musicians playing, and I and distinctly remember, the, uh, distinctly remember the feeling. I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I'm getting to do this. I can't, you know. And it was just such a thrill. I mean, it was just amazing. Had
3: and you been playing it all at that point?
4: I'd been playing, you know, sure, you know. But, I mean, I was a freshman in college, I think it was towards the end of my freshman year, and uh, you know, but here I was. I was in a club playing with a band of professionals, and and I was playing well. You know, and it was kind of an out, one of those out of body experiences. That mm-hmm. um, it was one of those nights where I kind of put my hands down and things just sounded good, and uh, and 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 I, and I had that unbridled enthusiasm, which I have <laughs> never been able to quell. Um, but uh, and again, I was sitting there thinking. I remember the, very distinctly, though, going, "Wow, I can't believe I'm actually getting to do this." Not really thinking. That it might ever happen again, you know. Flash forward now; I'm, you know, in my early fifties, playing. And the other night, I'm playing a gig with Maria, and I played numerous gigs with Maria, and I'm still sitting there going, "I can't believe I'm getting to do this." I'm I'm still. About to cry. About to cry. (laughs) But you know, it's it's just such an an amazing privilege, and and to get to do it with with uh, musicians on such a high level. You know, I I sit around and I, and I hear Maria sing, and I I watch Al Sergal on drums, and I or Zach Page or Billy Thornton on bass, and and uh, and and just amazing. You know, there's so many great musicians that I've had the opportunity to sit to play with, and I still to this day am amazed that I, I I'll be sitting there and I'm just thinking this is so much fun, it's such a joy. I can't believe I'm getting to do this, and the other part of me goes. I know eventually they're going to figure out that I'm not that good, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know or that I'm I'm a hack or something or, yeah, or I'm a big, uh, you know, but you know it's funny that that's a, that that feeling. I remember reading that about like athletes and different people saying they always mm-hmm. feel like they're like they're a faker, and always thought, oh, that's BS. And well, and, yeah. and as, But as I've gotten older, I'm sitting there think, keep thinking, okay, they've got to be some. Surely they they realize I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you know, you
0: know? in my other life, I'm a psychi- psychologist <laughs> and psychiatrist combined, and. All of us humans have that imposter syndrome, hey, sure, and exactly. I had to face that fact too. Because and I, and I don't say it brings me to tears of what you're saying because of me. I'm bringing because of I can I can resonate with that oh, feeling, sure. you Absolutely. know. And it it really is it's a truth. When truth hits you, it's like, you know, you can't really, you know, grapple with that too well. You know, it's, it's, tr- yeah, you it's true. It's true. I do the same thing.
4: Well, and that's the thing I, I yeah. did discover. I discovered this in my in my in my twenties that. You know, everything, everything that I feel, mm-hmm. every every insecurity, every concern, every annoyance, every fear,
3: mm-hmm.
4: I was shocked to find out that just basically the vast majority of us all share those same things. I thought oh, it was yeah. terminally unique. Yeah, I, th- I was shocked the first time I found out someone said that, oh, I can't stand it when the phone rings. I thought, <gasps> <laughs> I thought that was just me. You mean you don't like it when the phone, you know, and all those different, yeah. things, you know, so. <laughs> So, yeah. but it, I, you know, the the world of music. I had a there was a drummer I worked with uh, for a number of years, and he was a, he was a great musician. Um, but he was he was he was a he was a moody, really moody guy. And so he as a, and I was much younger than when he was working in my band. I had a trio, and he would pull me he'd pull me out outside on the break and chew me out, you know. And, and a lot of times I didn't like his delivery, but I had to learn how to go okay. Forget how forget how the message was delivered. Is there any validity to what he was mm-hmm. saying? But one of the things he was, but he always hammered home. And, and this is, so, I, uh, I always try to repeat this and make sure that my students hear it. It is a privilege to participate in the world of music. Yes, it is. And he said that to me. And I remember smiling. I said, yeah. And he goes, no. He goes, listen to me. It is a privilege to participate in the world of music. And I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, no, listen mm-hmm. to me. It is a, you know, and, and as I, and, and, and it is, I mean, and I, oh, I really? hear it, uh, Maria, and I know this happens with you and every musician I know, we will we'll finish playing and people come up all the time going, oh, I would just, I'd love to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting, always sitting there thinking, I love what I'm doing and I don't know how I got to be so blessed to be able to do it, you mm-hmm. know, um, but it, yeah, it is an absolute privilege to participate in the world of music there sure. it but you know what it's a double-edged sword because there's nothing better than a good gig there is just nothing better. i had a yeah. i had a great when i was mm-hmm. 19 years old i had i had another one of those gigs that it was just one of those i don't want to say out about you hear musicians talk about the out-of-body experience but it was one of those where i just i put my hands down and i mean i felt like i could close my eyes and it just and it was all sounding good i was in a mm-hmm. zone you know the same thing athletes you know had hit that zone i and i've been chasing that night ever since mm-hmm. you know And, uh, and, but it was, it, it, um, I don't even know where I was going with this, but. (laughs) Well, I do because
0: it's, it, it has us. We don't have it. It has us by this, by the collar, uh, if you will, because it's like, we can't get enough of it because we know what that is. And I, and I don't want to use it in this term, but I have to, it's like our drug.
4: It is like, I, exactly. You know what I mean? It is like
0: our drug. We get so addicted to that, that adrenaline rush that we get but we have to keep in mind and stay balanced with our purpose and our calling for why we're doing it. That's right. why we come with the privileged Well, um, And, that's, and that's, what,
4: that's what I was getting to. There's mm-hmm. nothing better than a good gig. Mm-hmm. And as a result, because it is so amazing, there's probably nothing more painful than a bad gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a, yeah. a situation that, that um, you know, and, and that could be, it, when I say bad, it could be bad for a number of different reasons. It could yeah. be, you know, just the space you're in that night, or it could be you're injured, or it could be you're working with people that, or maybe uh, they are not as strong musicians, or they're just don't
3: communicate, or right. there's
4: drama, or something's or you're going tired. on. You know, or you're tired, or you're Man. in a situation where the audience is the it, it, you're the you're the right band for the wrong audience. Mm. You know, and uh, <laughs> I mean, and don't you take know, me. But That's uh, a whole other show. <laughs> but it it is it, 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 you can get spoiled. Now the 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 wonderful thing is that I think if you do it long enough and you continue to continue to take self inventory and work at your craft. I have very few bad gigs anymore. I a mean, matter of fact, maybe a, a couple a year. Whereas when I was younger, I'd have a couple of good gigs a year, you know, and everything yeah, was, yeah. you know, but ignorance was bliss. You didn't know it wasn't, <laughs> you know. And then when I say bad, I mean, it's just one that's you know, a good friend of ours. Uh, mm-hmm. He has actually has, he said, listen, here's the deal, man. He goes, I have a thing now. He goes, there's three, to three potential qualities on a gig. If two of these three are there, mm-hmm. it's a good gig. And mm-hmm. I said, well, all right. His name is Billy Thornton. He's an amazing mm-hmm. bassist out of uh, oh, yeah. out of uh, out of Atlanta. He's the bassist on our last two uh, last two recordings, uh, mm-hmm. Old Devil Moon and our new Christmas album, uh, Merry Christmas, My Dear. And Billy goes, "Hey, so here's the deal." He goes, "Here's my three things." He goes, "Is it is it uh, is it musically satisfying?" And I said, "Okay." And goes, "Is it does it pay well?" And he said, and "The third one is is it a good hang?" Mm-hmm. And almost across the board, all the musicians I tend to true. be around with now who tend to be older, more or, or have more experience. Um, the most important thing is the hang. The hang. It's that it that chemistry it and that thing, you know. And matter of fact, the thing that the Ooh, thing that's yeah. least important is does it pay well? Absolutely. And, and even because we do I, it for free. Yeah, and and so you know, so so, this, you know, so now if, if musically satisfying and a good hang. Mm-hmm. It's a good gig. It's like did it, how much did it pay? It didn't pay anything, but it was great, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I've been in those situations, you know, was it musically satisfying? Like, no, but the bread was great and the guys I was working with were wonderful, you mm-hmm. know. And and then you had those ones where it is, it's like, well, it was musically satisfying and it paid great. And the cats, we didn't really, you know, there wasn't much of a camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And that's the ones where it's like, oh, it was good, but it have been nice if we'd had yeah, some connection,
0: you know. that, and that goes deeper. You know, it goes deeper than all that other superficial stuff. I mean, money, to be honest with you, is the superficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to get paid well. Yes, we got bills, but if well, you've got that other stuff, I mean, you. Know, well, okay, okay, like like I, know, you, I was gonna make a joke. You go ahead. Yeah, let me go ahead. And con- <laughs> let me let me continue talking, Andy. Let's let's. Okay. <laughs>
3: Well, that's such an amazing thing, though, that uh, you, that you guys bring that up because uh, the music the, the music industry is notoriously difficult to you know make a living at to make a mm. good solid uh, you know uh, um, salary off of off mm. of your art, uh, and so the fact that even though that you uh, both of you understand that dynamic, the fact that you're willing to overlook that and still continue to create great art, great great music. Uh, purely for the love of it, purely because it connects with you so much. To me, mm-hmm. that's that's amazing. That's special. And well, a friend
0: of mine told me a long, long time ago, maturity knows. I dropped the <laughs> mic. <I'm out>. <laughs> <laughs> and that, it
3: didn't.
0: It that didn't that click. Takes care of multiple. Levels it just. Of, it know. just takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. You just. You didn't. So, you know better.
3: So so tell me a little bit more about that. Maturity knows. Mm-hmm. Like where does that come from?
0: Because when you have been through enough experience. Or experiences in your life, you're gonna make a decision. You're gonna learn the lesson, or you're gonna keep fumbling. <laughs> and when you when you learn the lessons, you are mature, mm. maturing. And there are many, many lessons we've yet to learn. But when you get to that mature place, it brings about great fruit of of patience, of kindness, of willingness, of you know, just camaraderie. All of that just comes with it, and that's the most important thing. Like you need have to hang. I'd rather hang around some folks that are really good at heart, and of course, I really want them to be excellent musicians. But give me give me that good heart. Mm. It just mm. that way I can go to sleep at night better. Mm. You know.
3: Absolutely. Well, I, that's a great lesson for anybody to learn, whether musician or any other walk mm-hmm. of life. That maturity, having gone through the fire, having had those experiences, there's that wisdom that you can only attain mm. by having had those experiences. So, Absolutely. oh yeah, I,
4: I refer to it as the gift of age. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, but it, it really yeah. is in the sense of like, you know, when you're younger, your uh, y- your priorities are very different, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're younger, you can be very ambitious, but it tends to be all about the fame or about oh, this yeah. or about recognition or about acceptance. Yeah. And and I've spent years trying to please people or trying to please someone enough to convert what I'm, the gig I'm doing into another gig. And Same, and yeah. you know, and you're in, mm-hmm. you're always kind of desperate and you're always a little off. And and then you finally reach that point where you go, OK. Um, I'm going to make some decisions, and these this this relationship over here is is toxic, and I don't want that in my life anymore. And so I'm going to not have that in my life, mm-hmm. and it's okay. And and I like these people, and I'm going to embrace this and nurture it. Yeah. And I you know, and also you know, I am what I am, and I'm very comfortable with where I am. Musically, I so much want to get better. And continue to comfortable. I'm grow. comfortable with it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm com- for the first time. <laughs> You're See, I'm slipping one in. I slip one no, in. But no, you know, I think it, it's it's that thing that you see for the first time. I'm comfortable in my own skin, mm. you know, and for the first time, I can get up on stage and I can just have fun, and I'm not, you know, I'm not worried, not concerned, and oh my goodness, it's amazingly liberating. I, mm-hmm. I play, and also as a result, I don't play quite as. Fast and flashy as I used to, because mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily musical. That was about getting a reaction. Whereas mm-hmm. now it's like, okay, what's going to serve this song better? Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't solo on the next three tunes while the band's playing, that's that's fine. That's interesting. you know. Whereas that's before it's like, oh, I want to get and have my say. You know, now it's yeah. like, eh, no, I'm good. I got. I don't have as much to prove, and since I don't have as much mm-hmm. to prove, um I think my I think the art and everything else is.
0: So much better. And know? something special and magical comes with that if there's such a thing as magic. When people know that, they feel it, and it liberates them as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it's reall- That's when the real, le- the higher level comes, mm. you know?
3: Absolutely. Well, people respond mm-hmm. and... Uh, and, and when you can resonate your own confidence, people absolutely respond to that. So, yeah. I had a good uh, talk with a friend right before this uh, about how do you manifest that confidence when you don't actually have it. Um, and I'm sure we could talk about that all, well, again, you, all you night. T- long. Well,
4: that's when you you can't think yourself into a new way of of feeling and living. You've got yeah. you got to act yourself into a new way of feeling and living mm-hmm. yeah, and thinking. You know, and you you got to take the action first and let the mind follow. You know, mm-hmm. and and. and and you just gotta, you just gotta stay out there and keep doing it. And mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's no shortcut. Yeah. There you know, isn't. people used to, you know, I always, be, I used to have people, be, oh, you just need to, be, you just need to be confident in what you're doing. I'm like. Oh, that's a great idea. Why didn't I think about yeah, that? Because, exactly. you know, I've been dealing with this insecurity and anxiety <laughs> for years and I didn't even think about I should just be confident, Duh, you know, I had so like, oh, don't, don't worry about it. I'm like, oh, that's, I, you know, no, but, but this worrying is making me feel so much better. I, you know, yeah. But didn't,
0: didn't Al Circle say something like you have to be a verb before you can become a noun? Did he say that? Yeah, I
4: didn't know what that mm. meant, but I kind of smiled because I didn't want to come off as shallow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like if Just
4: I,
0: like we're all doing if it right I be a, It's like if I want to be a, an excellent singer, a vocalist, do it, yeah. and you become that. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
3: I agree. Well, um, I'm loving this interview because I'm pretty sure the only question I've asked in the last 20 minutes is How did you learn piano? (laughs) And I got this 20 minute uh, existential. Actually, you were about to ask
4: that question, but I jumped in before you got there and just started. Yeah.
3: So. but I love uh, just, uh, obviously, the years of experience uh, are, are showing themselves between uh, mm-hmm. the two of you here and all those different mm-hmm. um, gigs and hours up on stage. Uh, it, clearly, y'all have plenty of stories mm-hmm. and wisdom to pull from that. But I want to go back um, to about 10 years ago when mm-hmm. y'all first started playing together mm-hmm. at a venue that is near and dear to my heart. Of course, the Beckler Museum of Modern Arts oh, yes. mm-hmm. and their Jazz at the Beckler series which started in uh, 2010 or so right after the museum opened up and uh, at the time it was you know one show um, 30 40 people came by and it was just a, a kind of a cool little thing but fast forward to today and they are selling out not one but two separate shows once a month with 300 and some people at each show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the uh, band that has been there for the most part um, for the entire time is uh, Ziad Robbie's uh, Ziad Jazz Quartet, mm-hmm. Noel, of which you are the keyboard player for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go back to 2010 and talk about jazz at the Beckler. When did you first get approached for this music series?
4: Uh, Ziad uh, Ziad he reached out to me and said, "Hey man, there, you know there's this new." Series, or they're trying to make this series at the Beckler, and uh, and you know, can you come do this uh, this show on this this particular Friday? And I was I was available. And said yeah, you know, sounds great. I don't even remember what we played, um, and uh, there was and it was a small audience, you know, and then and. Many times, oh, they're opening a new jazz. Come on, okay, and or you know, and when I was younger, I'd get all excited, like oh, that's going to be great, and we're gonna, you know. And as I got older, I was like okay, well, we'll see how long this. Is. And I thought, okay, they'll they're, they're going to try and do a jazz series. It'll last maybe six months, and then it'll it's and it'll go away. And each time, you know, that we came back, it was bigger and bigger. And I, I missed a few of the shows in the, a couple of the shows in the first six months, but basically within a year, they were at capacity. You know, and uh, and and you know, and Ziad was uh, was really he did a, just a really astounding job of curating that series and thematically and the music and and he was learning as he went too because he had never done that as, as himself but he just did a really great job with it and and so after about a year um, he was, and I'd been hearing about Maria Howell I saw her in the movie The Color Purple and my my end of my freshman year at Wichita State went to, went to go see the movies. If you told me, I've told this story before, if you told me you know my, my 18, 19 year old self at you know that movie, like, oh by the way, several years down the road, you're gonna be you know, you're gonna be uh, performing with that that singer there. I'd be like, yeah, in what <laughs> universe is that going to happen? You know And uh, so anyway, I'd, I'd been I'd heard about Maria forever, and I knew that she she would come into town and do shows and and uh, and I always I, I always I wanted to work with her. Um, just on reputation alone and then Z said hey bringing in Maria Howell for the July 4th uh for the July 4th weekend show and and I was I was a little nervous I uh, I will, I will I'll tell you cuz I was like oh this is Maria Howell and she was larger than life in my and 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 and, and I met her and she's larger than life you know um, but no it was it we we got up on the stand and it was and you and this happens amongst musicians and you can you, you can tell immediately I mean, almost almost immediately when there's a there's a connection, and it was really obvious to me that that Maria and I heard music the same mm-hmm. way. It was really obvious to me that Maria was a performer and an entertainer as much as a vocalist. It was also really obvious that, okay, she's got she's in the you know I we did something you know maybe ran through something really mm-hmm. quick. And then we, I don't think we even really had a rehearsal. I think we just did the Not gig, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and it was but it was but there was there was just some again very obvious very quickly. That there was something, there was a connection, musical connection between Maria and I. Now, that, now that it was not only obvious to me. I mean, actually, I think I just told this recently, but I had several people come up to me, and uh, they said, "Are you guys dating? You know, are you guys, you guys a couple, aren't you?" And I went, "Oh no!" And and I, you know, and then my wife goes, "What, what was up with that? What, what's, what's going on with you and, and the and that singer? You know?" And I went, and "I'm like, no, 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 baby, this is just a musical I'm so thing." So oblivious. And, and uh, but, so like... but the point. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, I know. But you're so oblivious. I didn't feel any of that, Noel. I I felt, yeah. I I thought you were just mediocre at best. The only reason I kept around, Uh, but no, uh, but no, there was an obvious connection and a musical connection. Yeah, and it was quite a and and so and then I think we would perform about once a year mm-hmm. for the next you know few years mm-hmm. at basically at the Beckler. And that
0: was really the only time I performed with you, right, at the yeah. Beckler. And then about
4: five years. years ago, there was an mm-hmm. opportunity to go down to uh, go down to go the uh, the Hilton Head to yeah. the Jazz Corner. Actually, more than that, you I know, mean, five or six, seven, mm-hmm. maybe twenty years ago. It could have been you know, <laughs> it could have been shortly after the Color Purple came out. I, I'm losing track of time, but anyway. Marie and I started doing some some additional things. And then, you know, and, and as it went on, uh, about three years ago we went in, we had a series of gigs going, and we thought, well, let's just get into the studio. We went in, really didn't, we didn't rehearse, we didn't just pick tunes the night before. We went in and recorded an album that was, or what ended up being an album, which is called Old Devil Moon. And it was a great band. It's uh, Al Sergal on drums, a, a saxophonist out of, uh, out of Florida named Juan Roland, who's been mm-hmm. playing with me since 2003, and uh, bassist Billy Thornton. And uh, and we knew from the first beat of that song, mm-hmm. that or that recording, that's, that we were in a, a great zone. And I think every every track on there is a first or second take only. And you know, we did it all basically in one day. And it, it just did all. Because if we
0: go in thinking, oh, we'll get something to as a promotional, yeah, project. yeah, we thought well, we'll
4: get a few
3: tracks. Let's and just document felt, a little bit right. of what we got here. And we it felt thinking so about good, making a it was, CD. right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a CD. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great.
3: Real quick, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure: Are you guys are good on time and everything else? Oh, great. Yep. Okay, cool. We shouldn't have too much more, uh, but just want to make sure that you all are both good. <laughs> oh, that's what you think, Andy? <laughs> 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 oh, I know, I hope know. You're, I, hope I, you're available. To, I love the sound of my voice. I can tell if I yeah. let the rains off, then we'll be here all day. Oh, what are we
0: having for dinner? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Did um, you bring your PJs? Yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> well, we already got the coffee and cookies, so. <laughs> Um, uh, Maria, so uh-huh. what were your thoughts? Tell me your side of the story there when you <laughs> got hooked up with Noel to first start playing. What were you thinking about uh, your new keyboard player?
0: Well, that's funny, your new keyboard player, you put ownership on that right away. Well, I, you know, there's a, that's an interesting question because I was so used to, at that point, doing a lot of duo gigs, me and a piano player. I was, I was coming up off of nine straight years of just me and a piano player. Uh, at a jazz club in Atlanta. So that was an easy it's it was a natural segue mentally, emotionally, musically all that to to pay attention to the piano player first cuz I know that was my my strength and I'm used to entertaining with just me on stage and a piano player. So um th- that was like the first my radar went up. I'm like gosh, but I but again like he was talking about my reputation. His reputation preceded him. I remember someone telling me, Maria, when you come to this area, if you want the jazz, if you want jazz, Noel your guy. So I already heard his name. And so that was a no-brainer for me. Even if I hadn't heard him play that day at the Beckler, I already knew he was, I was gonna seek him at some point to say, hey, look, let's talk and consider doing something together, whatever. But that after the backler, I was like, yeah.
3: So did you feel that same sort of just un, you know, intangible natural. connection, that same sort of thing I'm that gonna Noel was speaking of?
0: Yes, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, Noel is kind of aware of this, but <laughs> with other musicians around, someone had to bring it up and say, look, this is not the Noel and Maria show. This <laughs> is not your show. No, there are other people on stage. Because it was just a natural, because we're normally doing that thing that we do. So, well. yeah. so
3: that was it. So you guys vibed so well. It was so just well in place. So that it wasn't just clear to the two of you, but oh, also honey. the other people on stage yeah. as well. Yeah,
0: I had to reel myself wow. back a Did little bit. Did someone tell you that? Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. That's it wasn't odd. from the audience. Was it? It wasn't from the audience. No. <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> but, but somebody the... said, uh, dial it back a bit. This is oh, not the Noel and Marisha. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. Not, it wasn't nasty. It was nothing like that. But it was that thing of saying, Hey guys, there are other people on stage with you because mm. it was just a natural thing that we do,
3: right? You know, and, both and, of and, us are showmen, and that speaks to how deep the connection is. Is that it's going on, and you don't even realize. It. Exactly, so. exactly. Noel, tell me, <laughs> tell me one thing you love about performing with Maria. <laughs>
4: um, one thing I can tell you, many things. The uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, many times uh, vocalists. Vocalists always have a strike against them with, with instrumentalists. Instrumentalists tend to... Um, it, it, a vocalist has to prove themselves with the instrumentalists. Instrumentalists tend to... You know, they, in the world of jazz, they tend to read music. They, they tend to have a background. They've done a lot of studying. Mm-hmm. And the vocalists don't always ha- come from that same background. And, so, it, and also, vocalists don't always tend to uh, have worked on their craft the same way a lot of times instrumental, instrumentalists have maria it was really obvious very quickly that she was listening the same way that we instrumentalists were listening and that and and i realized also very quickly oh we can go we can go anywhere with this and do anything with it and she's going to be hanging and contributing as not because usually a lot of times what it would end up being uh with 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 the vocalists is it's you got four musicians backing up a singer with Maria, it's not it's not a band backing up a singer. Maria is a if there's five people on stage, she's the fifth she's the fifth pe- person in that band, creating the same way as the rest of us and contributing. And it's not like okay, here's the star and here's the, the accompaniment. Um, it's it's literally you know she's one of five who are who are creating this thing and the, the you know the, the, the group of us our core group. I that's one of the things I've always felt it is it's a true band it's a true ensemble um in the in the french sense of the word you know being together um and the creativity is happening it it's um, the, the, there's big personalities and yet it's amazing how selfless selfless everyone is um maria can get right out there and just take the show but then when it moves to someone else, if it goes to a solo here or there's something else going, she she has no problem stepping back and letting it move where it goes, and then stepping back in. She has. If we do some sort of creative thing, you know, some someone you know, the bass player comes up with suddenly starts playing this rhythmic figure or something, and we all jump on it. and when it's in the, the tune starts going in a completely different direction than we'd ever intended, Marie right there with us, and that is absolutely that's exemplary, and, and that's and you don't you don't hear that much, you don't. Uh, you don't in the expression we would that, that I would that we would use and this is just not fair to other other vocalists but you know we we look at we look at Maria as a musician and and usually a lot of times vocalists are not looked at as musicians by instrumentalists yeah
0: you know? that's heavy so. because that that to me is like the biggest and most meaningful compliment and and Oh, that, but here's, and here's the other thing name. about maria
4: and and i know now that i've got you know i either i either try to make maria cry or make her laugh <laughs> on stage i try to make her everything i can i can do to make her laugh no and here's the other thing is that maria is a larger than life uh, persona on stage you know she's got this it thing i don't think she's even aware of it <laughs> and when she gets out on stage and i've worked with a number of performers who are on stage and around their the audience they're so nice and sweet and they're very enthusiastic and as soon as they step away they're a different individual you know that that they have a stage persona and they have their their non-stage persona maria there's no differentiation between her stage persona in the sense of she's so kind and gracious uh to with with musicians and with the with the audience and when you get her away and you're doing a long trip, you know, road trip through the middle of the night, <laughs> she's still that kind, gracious, sincere person, you know, and, and, you know, and that's what character is. Character is what you do when people are when no one's watching, you know, and and Maria Howell is that, she's that, That she's the real deal.
3: Well, Noel, I asked for one thing and I think you gave me six. Yeah, well, so. that's, <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs>
4: If you tell him, if you just said a few things I'd have given you 20. So
3: yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I asked for just one. I got to I got to, you know, adjust my expectations oh accordingly my here. It's like telling somebody who's perpetually late, you know, oh. to be there 15 minutes before you actually need yeah, to be there. So. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um oh Maria, I, wanna, I want to I want to pass the same question on to you. What's uh, what's one of your favorite things about performing with Noel? Oh my gosh.
0: I think I'm going to get in that same cyclone. I'm going to give you about six or seven different things. But the first thing that comes to mind is kindness. This is one of the kindest people I have ever met in my life and it's consistent with the kindness. And that goes across the board with the skill set, the gifts and the talents, as well as his spirit. And, and I think just what he was saying, you know, like when those two things come together, I mean, it's like, that's the real deal right there cuz you don't have to worry. You don't have to be concerned. You don't have to be on guard. You can just be who you are. And that is the biggest Oh my god. I, music to me is a spiritual thing. It's very artistic and I don't want I don't if you ever come and compete with my spirit life and my music life, you're going to lose out. Um because I need that to be in place so I can live and I can function. And he Affords me and allows me that opportunity to walk into that, that that atmosphere, and I don't I don't think twice. I can just be Maria and do what Maria is supposed to do. That's huge.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, that's Maria huge. does have a
4: shortcoming; she's not a very good judge of character. That's, but that's
0: you
3: know, <laughs> <but> that.
0: <laughs> that is huge. I mean, you know what I'm saying. You don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And I always use this word, and I don't use it lightly or loosely, but trust. And mm-hmm. so that makes me. When I can trust you, I respect you, I love you, I care about you, I will do whatever I need to do to make sure that the big picture is taken care of. And that's that's what I feel that was one of the first things that impressed me with him, very consistent in
3: kindness. That's wonderful, you guys. Well, you know what's next. I need one thing that you guys hate about each other. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm you just know kidding. what? I, 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 was, I hate about one. three or four. And she's I'm just joking. Too, <laughs> she's
4: just too nice. Too I mean, nice. you know, yeah. I mean, there's times that you just, you,
3: you know,
0: <laughs> I can say one thing I hate about Noel, and I don't really want to use the word hate. He won't let me drive.
3: Okay. He won't let you drive. He won't let me drive yeah, on trips. I'm not good at letting others drive. He won't let me drive. drive. I and did I'm you a drive that one time. You did that. Shira. That is
0: right. That is right. Yeah. Uh, okay, i take that back to you. <laughs> so i take and, it back. There's no in the no next hate. 10 years, I'll let you drive one more time. Thank you, you well. so much. <laughs> I,
2: I live for that.
0: I just, I'm just messing.
3: <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, guys, I want to get to your music as... Maria, or noel and maria mm-hmm. so um you've got a couple of records here that you've uh, you, you've put in my hands here so i'm gonna just go through with them and we're just gonna talk about them and talk about what makes them special but the first one here old devil moon you've mentioned mm-hmm. it a couple of times this one is actually uh the the, the styling is actually the noel friedline quartet with maria Hal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so you guys have branded differently after since this. Than we, we, have. we we have we have because
4: and the reason being okay I've got this this name that's not her it's not a, it's not a common name Noel Freedline mm-hmm. and you know and so then you get it's the Noel Freedline Quartet with Marie featuring Free Archers it's just way too you know people go, who are you guys and they're like you know you, we can't say we're the Beatles you know or we can you know <laughs> we're the you know we, we go oh we're the Noel Freedline Quartet featuring Maria Howe and as soon as you get you know people they, their eyes just glaze over like. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, please. Yeah, no, Can, there's a really you... easy acronym for it. It's no Invincible to big up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you
4: go. Yeah, it was too That's confusing. And you know, and Maria Maria has her own, you know. She does her own things as, as, as her own art self, as do I. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, we need to come up with something. And actually, it was Al Sergal said, why don't you guys just go with Noel and Maria? It's easy to remember. It's mm-hmm. simpler. And it allows you to work together in the, uh, for this for the project. When you're working together, you still have your autonomy. Right. And so, yeah. But, but, the, but our first one, yes, was done a little bit more convoluted name.
3: So Old Devil Moon looks like it was... You recorded this last year, and uh, these look like jazz standards. Mm -hmm. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay, all right, cool, because I... No, no, not always sure if they're jazz standards or if they're original. Yeah, actually, these these are
4: got. I would refer to these as standards from the Great American Songbook. Yeah. Jazz standards tend to be tunes written by jazz musicians, okay. whereas these tend to be by writers such as George Gershwin, Cole Porter, uh, Harold Arlen, okay. Jerome Kern. Yeah, so I, I think although there are a few tunes more contemporary, Let's Stay Together, mm-hmm. Al Green, uh, New York State of Mind mm-hmm. is on there, um, and then there's definitely a, you know there's a Bert Backrack tune, New York of State and, of Mind.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like the Nas tune. Is that is that
4: not on there? No, it, it's on okay. there. Okay. Oh no no, New York City, the uh, the Billy Joel tune.
3: Ah, so Nas you, tune. You, ah, generationally. i I'm, I'm Yeah, like, I know. See now we're getting to. I know. I'm, I was I'm, like, I'm, that's a really bold cover. Well, well I'm sitting <laughs> This what's funny. Marie, <laughs> do, funny. Do you, do you anyway. rap too? I can. Can you spit verses? Not today, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy. I
4: I don't rap. Just so you know. you know. Okay, I can. But it's C W McCall doing Convoy. You know, that's a, <laughs> it. Uh,
3: um. So awesome stuff. Old double, <laughs> mo- <laughs> old double moon. First uh, project to you guys together. Um. Describe this project and what the sounds are for your listeners.
0: Well, I think it's a mixture as well because we've got an Al Green tune on there mm-hmm. um, that we wanted to swing. So we like to take songs and just put our spin on things, and it's, it's just like a great, great mixture for me. Awesome, know? awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that
4: one's cl- that one's closer to if you were to go. Um, you go to hear us live that recording is is probably as close as you're gonna it's a studio recording but that's what the band sounds like mm-hmm. live okay because it was it was just done multi-track live there's no overdubbing um we we're all in the studio at once wow. um and uh and yeah it was and and the band was in the moment there was no the, the arrangements weren't uh there's no complex arrangements or anything it was happening very much in the moment and uh and so that yeah that, that I think is a great rep- representation of what the band at least what the band sounded like a few years ago
0: live. yeah and so. how fun the fun we have on stage yeah. you can you can pick that up okay do and is it.
3: this streaming online too? Can I? Look, it can is streaming online. It online. is okay. Yep. Cool, definitely. And the next album here, which I'm really excited that um, you have a vinyl copy here. Vinyl. I know. Vinyl, Vinyls of course, coming so back. yes certainly. I is. forgot
4: how big vinyl. I mean, when we got those, I I'm like, know, right? are the record? Were records always this big? You know? Y- yeah. yeah, yeah see, right.
3: Maria, there you are. I'll.
0: A big on, again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> big face. Yeah. Um, bold big face. Yes. But uh, <laughs> and I
3: love the the old uh, retro the stereo font here. Anyway, so it's called nola maria merry christmas my dear Mm -hmm. so talk about this album maria
0: well that was uh, we both love christmas let's start there Mm -hmm. and it was our contribution to our love for the holiday and it was hard to pick the tunes out in my my opinion for me because and these are traditional christmas songs. yeah most i i could have picked i could have picked out a hundred songs to put on that that um, album, but what was what's really cool about this whole new branding and doing it th- that way, a lot of people might not know this, but I always uh, liken it to Cannonball Adderley and Nancy Wilson, mm-hmm. simply because on that album, I always call it the Yellow Dress album because she has a yellow dress on, <laughs> but there is a mixture of vocals and instrumentals. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy listening to it simply because it's got those two elements, right? And Noel and they kill it, they kill it. I listen to, uh, to it every day, actually, in really? my car. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, do it multiple times a day. That's, awesome. That's how good of a recording it is for me. Um, and and there are strings involved, and so it has several elements in it: the instrumentals, the vocals, and the strings and sleigh bells, all kinds of things in it that make me feel. In the holiday mood, it puts mm-hmm. me there, so I'm I'm excited about it.
3: That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So, Noel, why did you guys choose a Christmas record as opposed to maybe a collection of original songs, other covers? What was the thought behind it? Actually,
4: that? the the goal was to record a uh, to record a, a regular album, right. and uh, we were and we were working on a concept at the time, and we decided that the concept that we were going to we were going to be using. Um, we discovered someone else had kind of used a similar, had had just put out an album, a Grammy Award uh, artist had put out an album with a similar concept. And so we thought, okay, we need to kind of rethink what we're doing. And we also, um, okay, for example, Andy, I'm going to ask you a question. And uh, when I say the word jazz, what comes to mind when I
3: say the word jazz? Uh, Dimly lit, smoky clubs, uh, saxophones, and upright basses.
4: Okay, all right. Well, you know, Generally. and yeah, no, 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 that's great. I, so I teach, uh, I teach music business out at UNC Charlotte, right? And, and I, I will go through and I ask, you know, my students, I, I talk about the importance of describing your music. Because if I said, well, I play jazz. Okay, well, now I'm describing a genre of music that's, that ranges from about 1890 to 2020, 130 years worth of music. And so jazz can be anything from, you know, early jazz with with Scott Joplin in the roots of of ragtime through Louis Armstrong, through the swing, and Benny Goodman, and Count, Count Basie and Duke Ellington, to the 1950s and early late 40s with bebop, to cool jazz, to hard bop, to west coast, to to post bop, and third stream, and you know, an avant garde and free jazz, and then you had soul jazz, and then the the the, the genres just start spreading out, and people, you know, I, I have the conversation. They go, "What do you play? You play jazz?" I go, "Yeah." And they go, "I love jazz. I listen to Charday all the time." Now, for some people, Shardé gets to play on a smooth jazz station. That's considered, you know, jazz. For purist jazz musicians and listeners, they go, "You got to be kidding me! Charday's <laughs> not jazz, you know." Or I've had people go, "Oh yeah, I love jazz. I listen to Phil Collins all the time, you know." And I'm like, "Wow, okay." But see, so the the point of all that is, I'll pull my class. I'll say, well, you know, when I say jazz, what do you think of? And there might be 25 students, and the 25 of them will describe something that are all valid, but none of them describe what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's such, and it's such a big nebulous word. It's it, it can be mis, misunderstood. We hear it all the time. People go, "Oh, I loved, I don't usually like jazz, but I like what you guys do." You know, <laughs> which I mean, this is great. So we thought, you know what? We do have elements of jazz in what we do, but we're still, but we have elements of a lot of things. You know, and that's kind of the nature. I mean, there's so much crossover, and, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the most wonderful things, especially with the American music, is always grabbed from multiple sources. And so we thought, huh well, let's look around at some of the people we like and what we want to do and where we want to be. You know, everyone from Frank Sinatra to Michael Blueblade to Diana Krall, the genre that they actually sit in is not jazz. They're, they're under adult contemporary. Right. So we thought, okay, let's go with adult contemporary. Because, I mean, we have elements of jazz in what we do, but that's not necessarily all that we do exclusively. Um, and we are entertainers and performers and... And so our goal with that album was to put out an album that that is adult contemporary. So like, for example, there's not a single track on there there's a couple tracks that maybe go just past three minutes. Mm-hmm. There's nine tracks on there, and it's 28 minutes worth of music, mm-hmm. um, and that was very purposeful because yeah, yeah. It, these are these are recording tracks. They're not representation of live performance. So that's why three of the tracks have strings. Uh, several of the tracks have have guitar, or they have Hammond B3 have joined us in various places, and we brought in you know other out depending on what the uh, depending on what the tra- what the song was, and then also the arrangements. You know, we didn't just swing all a bunch of Christmas tunes. You know, we. Uh, some of them have, you know, they're sort of Bruce Hornsby-esque. And mm. one of them, you know, Silent Nights, this heavy gospel thing. And and some of them might actually kind of, you know, cusp on smooth jazz. And others are <laughs> really just like like sound like Julie London and, you know, at, and from the 1950s. And and uh, and so, it, and that's the great thing about Christmas music. You, the, the songs, the more familiar the song is, the farther you can take it away from its original. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and that's something we've always loved doing. So I think... Mm-hmm. This album, like, for example, we do this Christmas, uh, the, the great Donny Hathaway tune, and it's been recorded numerous times. And we did swing it, and we slowed it down. And it got, it was hip. I mean, I, I listen to it, I go, yeah, that, that really works. And then we've got an arrangement of uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which is like Bruce Horns BS sort of thing. And we have an arrangement of uh, Do You Hear What I Hear? It has smacks of Pat Metheny, hmm. you know, and, and it's got, you know, and and, it, and there's it, and all those different things. I just, that stuff fascinates me. That's the stuff that captures my ear um and so this this recording is one of those where i go okay this so our goal now that we and the other thing that's part of me is we're doing a christmas i this is my second christmas album i did one in 1999 with my with my band 20 years ago actually we did it as a cassette at the time and uh and then then released it as a cd cassettes are coming back too Oh, good! Really, I, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, hopefully, that's a fad. And, and <laughs> if you tell me eight tracks are coming back, now that I can could, I could, I can could, I could I could buy into. Um, no, I. Didn't. But the uh, so it used to be okay. So we had this Christmas album, and we would we'd be playing around. And what I discovered was I had an album that only sold one month out of the year, whereas all the rest of our albums, are CDs, sold all the time. Flash forward twenty years, CD sales are completely in the tank albums now vinyl outsells uh cds now Mm -hmm. singles outsell albums Mm -hmm. um and so we'd have cds that after the six months of being released they they fall off in sales but this christmas album comes back around year after year Mm -hmm. and now with streaming services and most people get so much of their music through playlists our goal wasn't so much to try and get people to buy this album or download the album it's really to get it on a playlist, mm. you know, and to get those sort of streams uh. from that. And know? it's a
0: great segue for, uh, for to open up people's minds to the fact that we are adult contemporary mm-hmm. in a great way. Um, we like, like Noel was saying, there are so many different elements, and from the people that we've been influenced by, there, there's not like just one particular genre. I mean, Nancy Wilson's my favorite. Mm-hmm. First, she's my first favorite. She never called herself a jazz singer. Yeah, mm-hmm. She's a song stylist. Hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate the fact that she fought to not have pe- people, you know, put her in one genre.
4: Well, and one of your other big influences I hear in your vocals, which I love, is K- and you mentioned Karen Carpenter. Karen Carpenter. Now, oh, you know, if you say Karen Carpenter, people think pop, but mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to her library of music mm-hmm. with her brother Richard and the, the arranging and the, and the producing they did, mm-hmm. it's pretty broad. Yeah. You know, it's not strictly pop music. No. You know, right. the writers they had that were working with them. So... That was kind of the, sorry, that's a big, crazy, long answer for that, for the, uh, for what you asked me there, Andy, but the, uh, the okay. but that was the goal was, and and what we end up getting on that album, um, we were really, really happy, and that's actually probably the, the next, that we're, we're starting to work on the next album in mm-hmm. January, and, uh, and the goal is to actually put out an album that's got this conceptually the same thing as far mm-hmm. as musical approach, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, as far as the repertoire, we're still we're still narrowing that down. That's uh, yeah. we'll ha- we'll let you know what that's going to be once yeah. we get that one worked out.
3: Well, <clears throat> guys, I want to wrap this one up just by uh, asking you all to talk about where our listeners can find Noel and Maria, uh, not only of course the recorded music but live gigs too. I mm. know that y'all opened up Middle C Jazz <laughs> Club as well. So, uh, Maria, where can our listeners find and see you guys perform?
0: They can easily go to noelandmaria.com. Or noelfriedline.com or MariaHowell but mostly noel and maria And I think in the area, this region, I think the next few things we're doing, um the, oh gosh, New Year's yeah. Eve. <laughs> but it' has been head. sold out since October yeah we, yeah we we don't have anything else open right now but they can keep their eyes and ears open oh we'll be Actually, back January yes the, the uh, January 23 20, 24 25 right three straight nights at middle C yeah doing the mm-hmm. uh, jazz celebration the of music of Stevie Wonder yeah, yeah. Oh, and, uh, fantastic. and it's
4: Maria and myself and an amazing group of musicians a mm-hmm. singer out of Atlanta named Adam McKnight a, a Charlotte guitarist named Eric Bryce who mm-hmm. was at Shaka Khan for a number of years amazing mm-hmm. and Juan Roland on sax and Al Circle on drum, Zach Page out of uh, Asheville on bass. Just a great, great band.
0: Yeah, be amazing.
3: Fantastic stuff. Well, uh, Noel Friedline, Maria Howell, thank you so much for spending some time with us here today and thank chatting you. about your music and letting us have a little peek inside the musician's mind and what it means to be just a, a phenomenal partner uh, in what you do and what you guys are passionate about. Well, thank so thank you. you for the time. Uh, thank, thank you.
2: Time. Thank you. It.
3: Thanks again to Maria Howell and Noel Friedline for speaking with me. And of course, thank you, the listener, for tuning in to The Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us. Or better yet, just tell your friends. Call or text us at 704-835-0193. Once again, that's 704-835-0193. And leave us a 30-second message with your questions about creativity in the Queen City. We'll use the best messages on a future episode of the Biscuit CLT podcast. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings.